We are Lone Star 187. Two sisters that love listening to true crime podcasts and decided to give this shit a try. Since we are Texas through and through, we will be researching murders across our Lone Star state. 187 is slang for the penal code for homicide. Since police codes are unique by city and county, we decided to simply use something that most people would get. We know this code isn't specific to Texas, but hey, we like it and it's our podcast, so we do what we want. Case file 64, Botham John. <gasps> what? Oh my God. So Is this a two-parter? It might be. Okay. It might be. It might be. Who are we? I'm Carrie. And I'm Brittany. And, and we together, are, together we are, Lone, Lone Star 187. So I put this one on my list a while back and I kept thinking like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then I saw that we're coming up um, we just came up on uh, four years since the incident and three years since the uh, sentencing. Mm-hmm. So this is a really hot topic. So if you don't know when I said the victim's name, Botham John, Botham John, excuse me, when I say the defendant or the perpetrator's name, you'll definitely know. So this is the story of Botham John, who was taken by the hands of Amber Geiger. Yes. And very, for those... Yeah. I'm not, I'm doing a little bit different approach on this one because it was such a highly publicized case. If you don't know, um, usually I say don't Google, but I would say just Google and read the first couple of lines because I'm mainly going to focus on the trial because in my opinion and how I feel about the case, it's not so much. Don't say it yet. Save it for the end. Okay. Well, I'm going to be focusing mainly on the trial instead of the chain of events and going deep into the trial. Because then after that, we'll discuss. Mm -hmm. Because I I think I have a stance, but I followed the trial pretty closely, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't working from home at the time. So I didn't get to sit and watch it like I did the Johnny Depp trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So I was very well versed in that one. So this happened, uh, we're going to Dallas, Texas. So you could definitely take your skateboard to Dallas. Yep. It is in Dallas, which for those that don't know, it is the most populous city in the Dallas uh, Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And it is the fourth largest metropolitan area in the country at 7.5 million people. Damn. And And this was in 2018. I was going to say it's probably more now. So can you imagine now? Because it's ridiculous. You can't go anywhere. People are every fucking where. It's bad. Everybody's moving here. People from California. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's getting to be too expensive. And it's getting expensive here, too. So, like, where are we going to go? We are not California. No. Taking us to September the 6th of 2018. And Amber Geiger is a Dallas police officer. And she is arriving back at her apartment. And she lives at some apartments called the Southside Flats in downtown Dallas. Mm -hmm. And she has completed a 13-hour shift at work. And we all know... Police officers have a hard job. Yep. They I, have one. Many people have hard jobs, but they have a hard job. And as 
as irritated as I get with them, I also mutually, I very much respect them for what they do. And I appreciate them putting their lives on their lives on the line every time that they get on, on that on the job. I do have a lot of issues with how um, some police officers are trained as well as how they respond and how they're treated, unlike regular criminals. Right. So. I mean, we've had lots of cases where the detectives or the cops go in and they don't do a good job of assessing the scene or they already make a, a snap judgment of what they think happened and they won't open their mind to anything else. And then the, the, the person that is actually guilty goes free because they refuse to see it any other way mm-hmm. than the, the assessment they made in the first five seconds when they got there, right? Right. So... <laughs> She, um, so Amber is arriving home and she lives on the third floor of her apartments and somehow she ends up on the fourth floor and she approaches the door to what she believes is her apartment and she believes she hears someone inside and she goes inside and she shoots the person inside only to realize that she not only shot an innocent person, but was not in her apartment. So I, I wish I, I know where these, these apartments are. I've seen them from the street many times, but I wonder if it's like a hotel where each floor looks exactly the same. Yes. I'll get into, I'll okay. get into more detail okay, with perfect. that. Okay. And um, if you have time, if you go to ABC news and you type in Amber Geiger trial, you can watch, there's five days of it. And I watched all five days to do this. So that's my source is the the trial. That's where I got everything. Okay. So as soon as she realizes she shot someone, she calls 911 while she's on the call, which I'll go into more detail throughout the trial, but she's on the phone and she realizes that, you know, she's not in her apartment and I can't imagine the, all the confusion that just mm-hmm. happened. Like, she walks in assuming her life's in danger. So was her door unlocked? Well, it wasn't her door. No, but I mean, what she thought was her door, was it locked or unlocked? It was unlocked. It would have had to have been if it mm-hmm. wasn't her apartment because she wouldn't have yeah. been Yeah, well, there's, in. yeah, and <clears throat> I'll go into more detail, okay. like I said, in the trial. But okay. she she has shot this person and she realizes, oh, my God, she looks down and there's a bowl of ice cream there. Like, he was just sitting eating ice cream and she realizes, oh, my God, I just shot this guy. And she realizes it's not her apartment, right? It's not, yeah, she looks over and she's like, where did this come from? There's a giant ottoman here. My apartment doesn't have an ottoman. My TV is there. That's my TV. It looks like my TV, but my baker's rack isn't there. Like she's realizing like, this is my apartment, but it's not my apartment. And she's like trying to figure out what's going on. She's on the phone with 911. She just keeps saying that I thought it was my apartment. I thought it was my apartment, but unfortunately she's so wrapped up in what is happening in her mind that she's not paying attention to the man on the ground that shot. She's not rendering aid. She's in the hallway, she's in the in the place. Then she's texting her partner because she is a policeman. So the partner that she's been with all day, who's also um, you know texting him, she's like, "Hurry, come help me!" You know, she's calling out to other policemen that she knows because she's. I understand that it's fight or flight, and she's trying to take care of her own. But there, the mistake that you made is on the ground and could be saved if you could give them some help, right? But she's not rendering aid. She's listening to 911. And with, you know, within minutes, police arrive and they start CPR. First responders arrive. They're trying to help him. And at that point, they make her leave, right? Because she may be a shooter. But, I mean, she's not treated like you or I would be treated. Of course not. You know, she's a cop. They don't she, know what happened yet. Well, but, she tells them, I shot him. Oh. I, I thought I well, was in probably, my apartment. I thought I was in oh. my apartment. I didn't know. I thought I was in my apartment. And so she just keeps saying it and she's crying. She's, I thought I, I thought I was in my apartment. I thought he was going to attack me. 
and she's making justification of why she did it, but she's not focused on what she did. Does she have a um, body cam? Her body cam was docked at 926, and this happened at um, 959. Right, because she's off duty. She's right. going home. So but there's the really other no policemen do have body cam. And if you watch the trial, there's multiple body cam footage. Okay. And she never once is knelt down by that by that person's side. Okay. She's in the hallway. She's in the apartment. She's in the hallway. She's in the apartment. She's in the bedroom of the apartment. I mean, she's everywhere. You know, hmm. she's just, she's not giving CPR. She's not asking 911, like, if I have questions, do I do up high pressure? And she's not out of breath. I mean, it's it's obvious that from the 911 call that you hear, as well as when they approach the scene, that this is not someone that's done CPR. Because if you've ever done CPR more than one round, you're sweating, you're out of breath, you're exhausted. And yeah. it's not something that, you know, you could be able to just get up and start walking away. And so, I'm sorry, where did she shoot him exactly? In the upper left chest. Okay. Oh, okay. So because it is an officer-involved shooting, Texas Rangers immediately, obviously, you know. Of course they do. Took over. They're asking her, you know, well, did you not do CPR? And she's like, well, you know, I was really tired. I worked 13 hours. And they're like, well, why didn't you leave your service weapon at work? Because usually the service weapon stays. Oh, yeah. When you're off duty, the service weapon stays there. You turn in your gun. You turn in your walkie, you turn in your body cam, you turn in all of that stuff, but she didn't turn her service weapon in. Is that something she did on a regular basis or was this just it a one-time thing? It was common if they ran out of time or if they were going to be on shift soon after, if they stayed late, they just took it with them. I mean, again, that you didn't follow protocol. See, I thought they always kept their weapon. I didn't know that they checked that shit in. Well, that was one of the questions the Texas Ranger asked her is, why did you not leave your service weapon at work? Because it's mm. a service weapon, right? It's not your personal weapon. Amber was arrested three days later and charged with manslaughter because unfortunately when both and John made it to the hospital, they were able to repair the hole in his heart from the bullet. However, he succumbed to the wounds, the gunshot wound, and he did pass away in the hospital. So she's arrested three days later. She's charged with manslaughter with a second-degree felony, which in Texas carries a two to 20 year sentence in state prison and or a fine up to $10,000. So on September 24th of 2018, she's terminated from the police force after they immediately put her on administrative leave. Wow. They did something right. Yeah. And then on November 30th, she's indicted on murder charges by Dallas County. So now we're going to the oh, trial. So now we're going to, well, we're going to dive into the switched trial. it from hump from manslaughter to murder. I'm going to tell you. Bum, bum, bum. So on September 22nd of 2019, the trial begins. Which is almost a year later. Yes. Yeah. I mean, quick, which I'm glad to know. Yeah. Um, so the trial begins. Uh, Dallas DA John Cruzett, uh took part in an interview in spite of a gag order issued by uh, Judge um, Judge Kemp, which if you watch any of the trials, yeah. she's a no-nonsense. Yeah. I, I watched some of it. In so. the very beginning of the trial, somebody's um, one of the pub, uh, publisher. A journalist, the iPads like playing music, and she's like, "I don't know how many times we made it clear whenever we went through orientation and what would be expected that you're not to have that in here. Who let that in here? And it's still going off, and she is just getting oh my irate. God. So I mean, she's she was, the salty one of this episode. She was dead. she was not having it. So even though they had stated that they, even the jurors that they had already pulled said that they hadn't heard anything about anything the judge had said. Um, the defense wants a motion for mistrial because they feel like, well, the jurors are tainted. They sequestered the jury 
for a while. Yeah, I can't imagine people not hearing about it because it was all over. Yeah. So trial day one, uh, of course, prosecution opening statements and then, you know, defense opening statements. So the first witness was Botham John's sister. Um, She took the stand and she talked about how her and um, Botham were very close. They've been close their whole life. He had quite a few siblings. And she spoke about their family and how close they were and that he was raised in Saints. St. Lucia mm-hmm. in the Car- the Caribbean. Yeah, I remember so that. So he was, he had a very fun life. Like, can you imagine growing up that oh, close to what, water? Oh, how beautiful. And, yes. Um, he was active, adventurous. She talked about how whenever he was young, he'd always been really big. He was six foot one and he was 247 pounds. So he was a big guy. Yeah, he was a big guy. And she said even as a kid, he was big and he would try to ride their dog like a horse <laughs> whenever he was young. And he sang choir in high school and then he sang at their Church of Christ uh, growing up. So he was good family values, good kid. He went to Harding University. He did a lot of good things. You know, he was a good, a uh, really good kid. He was only 26 years old. So the next person to go up was Martin Rivera. Martin Rivera. You're not going to like Martin. Martin Rivera was Amber's partner. They asked Martin, you know, how was Amber the day that it happened? How was her demeanor? He's like, oh, she was fine. It was out of, nothing was out of the ordinary. She was her normal self. And then they start talking about how upon investigating Amber's phone, they see that there was a lot of text messages going on between him and Amber. Yep. They point out that during the time she's on the phone with 911, she is texting Martin Rivera, which means even if she said she was giving CPR, she would have had to stop CPR, put her, put, stop CPR, pick up her phone, go to his name, text a conversation, then go back to CPR. But did she say she performed CPR and there's she no said, proof of, proof she of it? She said she performed oh, CPR. she said she did. But even if she did, you are selfish enough to stop rendering aid to the man that you shot, mm-hmm. purpose or accident, to be to tell your partner, um, I fucked up. Well, as soon as you I realize it's help. not your apartment and you shot somebody, your first thing to do is go to help him. Like mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. stop the bleeding, render aid, CPR if he stops breathing. Like mm-hmm. you don't even know. He's over there fighting for his life mm-hmm. and you're being an idiot walking around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. You're worried about yourself, yourself not him. Exactly. And so they asked him, you know, what was your response to these messages? Did you help her? Did you call her? And he said, you know, at the time that she sent the messages, I didn't have my phone with me. I didn't see them till later. And then once I saw I had multiple missed calls from people in our unit as well as her and her text, I knew something had happened. I just didn't know to what degree. So then they talked about how when they went to review his phone days later after they saw her phone, that all his phone, all of his messages were deleted. So they asked him, you know, why were all the conversations between you and her deleted? He's like, well, I don't really keep messages that aren't really important to me. And I didn't want to relive that day again or what happened that day. So I just deleted them. Um, and I, they said, did you advise her to delete her messages? He said, well, I knew her phone would probably be taken and anything can be used against you in the court of law. So I told her to be best if you deleted everything from your phone. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah. So clearly there was something that he said that he didn't want out. So, but he, if she had her phone and didn't delete them, then it was there anyway. Parts you could tell that parts had been deleted, but not everything. Oh, so she did delete some stuff too. Yes. Oh, okay. And Just then, not everything like he did. And they're like, "But did did your relationship with Amber ever become more than partners?" He's like, "Oh no, no. I'm a married man." Oh, that's a yes then. <laughs> <laughs> we were strictly partners at work. 
Um, we spent eight hours a day together for over a year. That's all it was. So they said, you know, we did see that you and Amber were swapping suggestive, provocative photos through Snapchat. Uh-oh. He's like, yeah, that was And just, not like that was just gross memes or anything, but like no. pictures of each other. Correct. Oh. And he said, oh, that was just flirting. It wasn't ever going to go anywhere. Does your wife know about it? I mean, now she does, unfortunately. But like, surely she her, didn't. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, her and I both knew that those texts would never go any further. That's just as far as it went. But you just spend all day, every day together. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me that that's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. If you're flirting, even when you're not together, that's something. Yep. So that concludes day one of the trial. So now we know that, you know, she re- she has definitely put herself as a priority. She wasn't worried about him. So day and two. And she's probably having an affair with her partner. So day two, they play the 911 call. It shows it's all about her. Like never once did she say, please help me save him. Or I'm "I'm having, I'm I'm so shaky. I can't concentrate. I can't do the CPR. It was just, I didn't know. I thought it was my apartment. I didn't, I didn't know who he was. I was scared to death. He was, he came at me. Like it was all about her justifying why she shot him mm -hmm. instead of I called 911 to help him. He is the one in need, not me. Right. Yeah, that I'm never. Fine. I'm yeah. frazzled because of what just happened. But like. So Officer Michael Lee was one of the first officers that arrived on scene and they show his body cam footage, which I think it's like 12 minutes long. And they show him walking in. And as soon as they walk in, you see Amber like walking around like she's just like walking. Poor both of them. What do you mean the hallway like outside the apartment? Outside the apartment. Yeah, because between... surely she isn't walking around his apartment. It's not even hers. Well, I mean, she was in and out of it. But at this point, as they're walking up, you just see her there. And no one's helping him. They they follow her into the apartment. And he's just laying there. And he has a, he's shot in the top left part of his body. Is he like making any noise? No. Is he talking? No. So he may already be passed away at this point. Um, no, he's still alive. Okay. Um, oh, that's so, right. Because you said they did surgery. Um, so officers start CPR. And um, they're looking around his apartment to get identification of who he is. Because... Yes, this is an officer-involved shooting, but they need to know, like, who is this guy? We need to get some information on him. Look around. There's medication bottles around. Does he have a medical condition? Like, they need to get as much information as possible. So they do see that. They find um, a license, and it says his name, and that uh, that is his apartment. So he is where he's supposed to be. Officer Lee states, you know, um, they did CPR back and forth, him and the other guy, Keenan, and you remember who Keenan was? Yep. Him and Keenan back and forth are going back and forth, taking turns at giving CPR. Officer Lee did state that it was very hard to figure out the apartments and the numbers. He's like, every hall looks the same. Okay. He said, they asked him, have you been there before? He said, we've been to that apartment a couple of times, so I kind of knew my way around. But if, if it was my first time, it would have taken me even longer to get there. So they had been to Botham's apartment before? No, those specific apartments. Oh, okay. So he yeah. kind of knew the layout I mean, of the apartment. It's South Dallas. I mean, yeah. not South, but it's like downtown. Yeah. It's not South, but it's downtown. So Yeah. So he talks about how like one side is even and one side is off because his apartment both of his apartment was 1478 all the all the apartments on that side were like 1478 1480 1482 yeah. Yeah. and the other side was odd but when you go down a hallway there's no sign that says like 100 to 105 this way like so it's it's hard to find and yeah. every every opening it just looks the same so if you don't know what floor you're on you could get confused where you're at they showed how they camera footage shows how they followed when the first responders come on scene 
and take over CPR for um, the officers, they escort Amber down, excuse me, to one of the police cars. They just let her sit in the car. She has her phone. Now they've taken her, her gun, but she still has mace. She still has handcuffs. She has all the other weapons on her. That any she's other, still in full uniform, full, right? Full uniform. Yeah, because she hadn't even been home. No, she's not treated like somebody. She's not detained. They didn't put her in like zip ties. They put them in. Yeah. Nothing. They put her and she's in, sitting in the front seat of a patrol car in air conditioning. Like it's no big deal. Like she just shot someone. If that was any other person. No, I agree. No. They would have been yep. treated differently. I and I don't think that that's fair. No, I agree with you. It was fucked up. Even though it was an accident, I believe it's an accident. She she shouldn't well, get the royal I, treatment. They potentially could have made an assumption that he came at her and she could have been just trying to defend herself. So yeah. I think they're, because she's an officer, I'm not saying it's right, but I think in their mind they're thinking, okay, we're going to give her the benefit of the doubt, so we're going to remove her from the situation and try to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, is it right? No. No. She should have been treated just like any regular person. And she's like scrolling probably, it looks like she's probably scrolling through Facebook, maybe. She's just scrolling on her phone. Like I would have been visually like She wasn't crying or anything. she's just on her phone and no big deal. She doesn't feel bad. Uh, So the next person they brought up to the stand was Holly Holly Gilbralter. She was one of the real estate managers for the apartment. She went over the lease of Amber Geiger and she had only lived in that apartment for 56 days. So she'd only been there uh, almost two months. Not even two months, yeah. So they showed Amber's apartment, which was 1378. Well, I was going to say hers was probably 1378. And his was 1478. And it the layout was the exact same. I mean, so you can see same. how she made the mistake. So, yeah. so it's not like she was drunk or, I mean, she was tired, 14 hour shift. So I could see that, but like her mm-hmm. reaction was not no. the right. Then they next part, they brought up um, a neighbor named Joshua Brown who lived in 1437, which was across the hall. And see how the numbers don't make sense? No, it's, So yeah. he was like down the hall a little ways, 1437 across from Botham John's apartment. Mm-hmm. So it was just a hallway between the two of them. And they just asked him, you know, what, what did you hear? And he said he heard um, what sounded like a brief conversation, two people maybe meeting each other, like, Oh, hey, what's up? Like a like a loud oh. kind of conversation and then a loud back. He just said it sounded like an unexpected, like a startled sound. And then he heard two gunshots back to back. That was all that was all he heard. And then he heard the commotion and all that. But he said that there was no there wasn't a, a long discussion. It was very short and it just you could tell quick. the surprise in both of the voices, not just one. Whenever the policemen were in the apartment they saw two shell casings in front of the dishwasher. So I'll show you the layout at the end and I'll post pictures. But you can see how when you first walk in, there's like a kitchen sink, like a peninsula that comes out and the dishwasher's right there. And then the the couch where he was sitting was right on the other side of that island. So you can see how she didn't make it that far in before she shot. I mean, she was right there by the door. So you believe that she thought that was her apartment. I, I believe do. that. I do. Yeah. His AirPods were in, which is important when I go to her account. Yeah, what that happened. means he probably didn't hear her. And they were under him. So whenever they, they picked him up and put him on the stretcher, his AirPods were underneath him. So that means that either he took them out to hear what was going on and dropped them, or the fall made them come Knocked out. But you out. could tell he was in use of using them. And then they showed pictures of Amber Geiger's apartment and his apartment. And really, there's only two things that are different. He had an ottoman and she didn't. So that means they're furnished apartments, which makes them look even more alike. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're empty and you supply your own furniture. Oh, no. 
It is your own furniture, but what I mean is that even where they place their furniture, where she put her stuff is where his stuff was placed. Well, probably because they're so small, there's right. no other place to put them. Yeah, so like when you walk in, when, you, when you're looking at the door, you're standing at the door, to the right against the wall was her couch and so was his, and to the left was the TV. He had an ottoman, she didn't. And then when you walked in right next to the kitchen against the wall, there was a little wall and she had like a a little mini baker's rack and he didn't otherwise the rug they they had like a shelf by the window by the patio they both had that so i could see walking up from a distance it being similar right like this is all very similar to me especially if you're not really paying attention i still i'm still i know i shouldn't be hung up on this because i know i know the outcome of it but like if you walk up and so did she not even try to unlock her door? She just walked I'll up and you. it was open? Okay. I'll tell you. Okay. So now we're going to day three. They had this data analyst, which she was the most interesting, one of the most interesting people to me. But she researched the location of where Amber was, the location of where Botham John was, and then she located, then she put on a time map uh, when and what phone calls and when they went out from Amber's phone, Botham John's phone, um, the 911 call and when other officers arrived. So it was like a perfect timeline of when everything came together. Because both of them was on his phone as well? Just to yeah. show, you know. Okay. So they show Amber's activity of the day. They show her, you know, reaching work and they show her then being at loose stairs for a while. And then they just show, should this is where she worked. She went, got to work around eight, almost eight ish. And she was done a little after nine. So you can tell that it had been 13 hour day. So it'd been a long day for Mm -hmm. her. And then they showed Martin, her, um, partner. Her partner. Yeah. So her fuck boy all day long, Martin, and Amber were sending texts back and forth, including Snapchats, all throughout the day. Even though they're sitting right there together? Oh, yeah. Or even if if, if he's going, if she's going to lose Starrett, they may not be there. Cause, oh, so they're they partners, were not, but so they one, weren't together all yes. day long. Okay. So one thing I need to add is they I, were not. I made that assumption. They were not patrol officers. Okay, I made that assumption. They were part of um, CRT, Crime Rescue Team, or Crime Response Team. They said it only once. So I'm trying to remember what it was. So basically they are the team that comes in when um, like they're serving a warrant. They help SWAT. Oh, okay. Um, Or if there is not so much like shootings, but if there's like a robbery in progress. So they're kind of like, I want to say crime response team. Like they go always prepared to go to battle. Like they know they're going into a hot scene. So they would be together, but if they're not on a mission that day, then they may be okay. on patrol so or they may be... They weren't together in the car all day, but they had been chatting and Snapchatting all day long. Yeah. Okay. Up until about 8.14 p.m. Then another Snapchat from Martin goes to Amber at 9.14 p.m. And then Amber leaves work from ni- at from 9.27 to 9.33. More Snapchats and texts are going back and forth. Even after she left work? Even... So this is after she's getting ready to leave work she's like preparing so she's checking in her she's you know docking her cam she's so she's preparing to get ready to go home and at 9 29 she sends a snapchat with a picture said that to him that says wanna touch Ew. and then she texts at 9 33 saying barely walking out so she's now leaving and that is in correlation with her gps that she leaves at 9 33 so from 9 38 to 9 55 
there's a phone call between Amber and Martin. So the whole time she's driving from work to home. So I wonder what, phone. what police station she's at, because that's a pretty long drive. Um, anyway, at nine 46, Amber enters the garage gate at Southside flats, but she's on the phone with Martin while she's pulling in. So she's in the garage, right? Mm-hmm. So she, in the, while she's on the phone call, she's already messed up. So she's super distracted. Very distracted because she's not on the fourth floor. She's on the third floor. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's yep. on the third floor. Yeah. Instead of the fourth floor already. So being on the phone, she's chosen oh, the wrong parking garage. So she, uh, okay, so that's where she screwed up is she's in the wrong parking garage. Mm-hmm. On the wrong level. And she's entering already wrong. And doesn't while, even know while it. While she's on the phone. So they must be talking about something that's very distracting. 9.59, the 911 calls goes out from Amber. So she enters at 9.46. She hangs up with Martin at 9.55. So four minutes later, wow, within four minutes that was quick. from hanging up with him to calling 911. And you know, she didn't call 911 right away. She called 911 once she realized what happened. So then I guess where she parked her car and the door to what she thought was her apartment must not be very far. Must not be. Must not, because I mean, I'm thinking an apartment parking garage, who knows how far away you have to park. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's on the call with 911 from 9.59 p.m. until 10.04. That's how fast police arrive. Because they hang up, she hangs up with them when police get on scene. And at 10.02, she texts him, Martin, I need you, please hurry. And then at 10.03, she texts, I fucked up. Both on the phone with 911 texting him. And she's out. The video in the apartments shows her out in the hallway texting. Not even next to the body. She is she is so far away from that She's man. just already assumed he's dead, I guess. Or she, she just like doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. So the next person, on, next person on the stand is Dr. Chester Gwynn. He is the Dallas County Medical Examiner. And he confirms that... Um, oh, no. So, so both of them, John, was... Um, why did I put seven foot? No, he's 73 inches, so he's six one. Yeah. Why did I put I put seven foot? What a dummy. So his his ruling is he that Mr. John uh, died of a gunshot wound to the left side of his chest, right above his left nipple. So let me tell you the damage that this one bullet did. It went through the soft tissue of the in um, chest cavity. It hit a rib, the upper lobe of the left lung. Then it punctured the diaphragm, went through the stomach, in and around a second time through the intestine, then finally made its resting place in a muscle in the back of the abdominal cavity called the Suez muscle. So they really ricochet inside your body? Yeah, because it has nowhere to go. Damn, I just thought it would go straight out. The projection of it is part of what happened, which we'll talk about. Oh, so, oh, okay. So the way the bullet projectile would have been two positions him laying down and her standing up and pushing down no either him um which i'll act this out with you in a little bit because i'm <laughs> holding this but um they showed it in the trial right because they had this like stick and it went down like this that's what i'm saying so it went saying down either he was in a sitting position and he was getting up Okay. And he was shot because she's very, very short. Oh, I knew. And you said he so, was so tall. That's why so I figured he had to be she, down. If, if she was holding her gun straight, then he would either had to have been coming up from a sitting position or crouching behind the island, like hiding from her. Okay. One or the other. Or starting to come get up off the couch. 
And if he had his earbuds in, he wouldn't have heard her. Mm-hmm. But he would have seen her, though, because you said the couch is to the right when you walk in. Mm-hmm. So he would have seen her mm-hmm. well, if someone his, just walks into your apartment. Yeah, and his TV was on, and no, no other lights in the apartment was on. Right, so so the she would have hallway, crossed his eye right. field of vision as soon as the door opened. Mm-hmm. So video surveillance shows Amber just walking around outside with the other officers. And this irritated me so bad. They showed it for like probably 15 minutes. And they show um, when they, the policeman had taken her outside to um, put in the police car. They show her like standing there talking around other policemen. And then you see the two police officers that were helping with CPR and first responders. And you see both of them, John, on the stretcher. And they're going by and everybody just stops and just watches them, right? And then they stop and they're 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 backing up the ambulance and they're still doing CPR. I mean, they never stop. And then they get him inside and she's in there talking, talking, and then they just put her in the patrol car and she's just sitting in the front seat. And this is the second time she's been put in a patrol car in the front seat, not detained, no weapons taken, not not put in a different vehicle. I mean, these are her co-workers. These are her friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't. How is that okay? You know, well, I guess they think they know her and they just assume that she didn't do anything wrong. But that's not protocol. That's not what you're when someone like, shoots another person. Better, you know better than to believe that the, the police officers, the police force is 100 percent fucking not crooked. Like, come on. I know. I mean, I'm not saying I'm surprised. It's just it's still frustrating. It's I get very it. frustrating no, I get because it. it's, it's like whenever famous people get off on a DUI, no, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. well, because we don't have $5 million in our bank account, we can't get it expunged off yep. our records. Exactly right. Like this bitch lets some guy bleed out in his own living room in his own damn house while his ice cream melted. And she gets to sit in an air conditioned car, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's she, jacked up, you know, it, it, it makes me so mad. And then they, they ask one of the policemen, what are you waiting on? Why, why is she just sitting there? And they said, she asked for a lawyer. So we called the courthouse and asked for one to come down for her. How many episodes of Sword and Scale, may I add, that we've listened to where the defendant says, I want a lawyer. And they say, oh, you think we just go down to the, to yeah. the courthouse and get you one? That's not how it works. Yeah. If you want a lawyer, you have to go find one and hire them yourself. Yep. But this bitch gets her own lawyer after she shot an innocent man in his own house. They yep. go get her a lawyer. Yeah, because they she's I mean, got cop friends, and that's what cop friends do for the other cops. I respect cover her for wanting, wanting a lawyer to protect herself, and I get it. I'd want a lawyer, too. But you, but get, this, you get a phone call when you get to the station, just like everybody else. But no, she gets this pretty princess, gets to sit in a nice cool police car and wait for her lawyer to come to her. So how many years had she been on the police force? Um, she hadn't been very long because she keeps talking about her training. Like, So she's she a was, rookie. She's still a rookie. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason why they were so protective. Because she was a rookie? Or maybe she's screwing all of them. I don't know. I mean, she fucked up. And she didn't deserve to be... I, I know there's a code amongst police officers, so... But it's then, fucked up, though. I'm don't not saying be, it's right. Yeah, and don't be so pissed when civilians get in trouble and they say, I want a lawyer, and you say, oh, you think we just go get him for you? Why? You get him for your friends. And if that's not, if that if you don't want that out in the public to be known, then you should have covered this one up. You shouldn't have done it with her. And we wouldn't know about it. Yep. But her, I mean, she was in one of the most populated areas, and there's cameras everywhere, and you didn't treat her any differently. You know, if she had been black, would it have been different? I don't know. Probably. If she had been a male, would it have been any different? Oh, yeah. I don't know. They probably, she, he, she, if it had been a guy, he would have probably been shot or tased. Yeah. So, 
No, so. not if it was a cop though. It would have been the same. If it were if it were a cop, they would have protected a cop, I promise you. Regardless of race or gender. I mean, can you imagine <clears throat> like how many cop shows have we watched where somebody shoots someone even on accident and they walk up and they just tackle the person to the ground without asking any questions. Mm-hmm. But because she's in uniform, you're like, "Oh, we'll give you a pass." Yeah. Like you don't even know the whole story yet. You don't even know what happened. You're just assuming that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did work a 13-hour shift. So what if she's lost her marbles that day? You're going to leave her in the car with other weapons? They just don't realize. They're lucky that she didn't snap or do anything crazy. Because you're right. Yeah. with ma- they wouldn't have. She wouldn't have killed him with a mace. But she could have like gotten the car and driven off. She, yeah. There could be other weapons in the car. She could have started shooting everybody. Or what if she place. had other weapons in her backpack? Or what if she shot herself and now yeah. they don't even get a story? Right. So the last person to testify on day four is Keenan Blair. So he was the first one that actually rendered aid, rendered aid to Botham John. Because when he walked in, so when they asked him about what happened, he's like, you know, um, when I got the call, I was just told there was an officer involved shooting. Or no, I'm sorry. I apologize. Let me back up. He said, all I was told is that there was an active shooter at the apartments. He said, so we didn't know if we knew it was one shooter, but we didn't know, you know, race, gender. We didn't know anything uh, I was just given that an officer was involved in a shooting, but not that it was an officer shooting, but there was an active shooter and an officer was involved in the shooting. So we didn't know who was doing the shooting. It was very So generic. maybe that's why they protected her so much. Did all the office, other no. officers believe I'm that? I'm talking about in the beginning. Oh. In the very beginning. When they first, when they first arrived, they were okay. just told I see. there's an active okay. shooter and a policeman is involved. And he said, so it's very scary for us because we of don't course. know where they're at. And he said, we what weren't, he said, officer Lee, who was the guy I talked about earlier, Michael Lee, he was familiar with those apartments, but Keenan hadn't had been there a couple of times, but not as, so he kind of followed officer Lee's, but he didn't really know that area. He's like, you know, it's scary. We don't know from corner to corner where they're at. Yeah. So once we got to the apartment, he said, we saw Amber in the, in the hallway and he said, we saw her. She turned around. He said, I saw she was a policer. And he said, and I told her, I need you to put your hands up. And she said, I'm an off-duty police officer. I shot him. I thought it was my apartment. And he said, once I realized what happened, I told her to stay out in the hallway while we took care of him. Yeah. And even at that time, like, why didn't you detain her? Why wasn't she put in zip ties and put against the wall? You that's, know? Yeah. That's what a commoner or, or just a regular citizen would have been, how um, they would have been treated. And, you know, he saw she didn't have a gun. He, and she said, I'm, I'm off duty. He said she was very emotional. She just kept kept crying. And then, like, she kept walking in while they were doing CPR. Well, hold on. Where, where was her gun then? Did she leave the gun in there with him where she, where she shot him? Um, I think she, it, was, it wasn't with her. She did, either she put it in the hallway or Maybe laid she on the just table. laid it on the I table or she, something. She was okay. just, but, I mean, she just kept crying. And she was, you know, they're doing CPR and she's walking in. I'm so sorry. I thought it was my apartment. I didn't know. I didn't know. Oh my God, what did I do? And then she's out in the hallway and then she's back in the room. And so she was crying and upset after they had arrived. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, she was crying and upset before, but again, like you should try to fix the mistake then, you know, instead of just make it about you. That's when they told her to stay out of the apartment, go out to the hallway and just wait there. So the next day, Amber takes the stand. So this, this is, is day last, five. This is day five. This is this is the last day. So you can tell, obviously, she's young. And, you know, they ask her, you know, what are what are your protocols for whenever you approach someone that you feel is a threat? And he's like, she's like, they they beat in our heads in training. You always want to see their hands. Do not shoot if you if you can see their hands. If you can see their hands and you see that they're not a threat, do not shoot them. But if they go to move their hands, 
or if you feel if they start to come at you in a fast way or you feel attacked, you must protect yourself. So they ask her about her relationship with her and Martin. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, we were together eight hours a day for uh, at least over the last year. And a few months into being partners, it became sexual. And I didn't want people to know because I was embarrassed because he was married. So she admitted it, even yeah. though he lied. He Men- lied on the stand. And they Perjury. said, so how often did this happen? And she's like, oh, at least once a month. It wasn't that often, but it was at least once a month. That's when she was explaining that she wasn't a crime rescue team. That's what it's called. That she wasn't a patrol officer. She said initially when she first became an officer, she was a courtesy officer. And the apartment she worked in gave her a break on the rent. So she took the job. Um, but she's like, I was really bored because all I did was, you know, minor break-ins, loud music, you know, people being loud, talking, loud TVs, just a bunch of reporting. And it was just really boring. So I decided to move to Dallas County being a police officer there. And then she moved from... After being a police officer with Dallas County for a while, she moved from those apartments to the Southside apartments um, two months before. This is what she says happened. And in the trial, if you watch day five, her attorney asks her, show me how you went through your day. So she had a backpack that said police on it and had like all her gear and stuff in it. And then she had her lunchbox and then she had like a small backpack that had like, I guess, more stuff in it. And she had like all of them hooked through her left arm. So she has all that through her left arm, and then she has her keys in her right hand. And she said, I approached my door. Where's her phone? Because she's been on it the whole fucking time. <laughs> Probably in her pocket. I approached the door, and the keys... It's the not keys, a regular key. It's, yeah, it's like a key fob. Yep. So plastic, and it goes in. You have to let it recognize it and then turn yeah, to lock like and unlock. Yeah, a round circle. Yes, yes, yes. That sticks out a little bit. Yep. yep. I, I've seen them. So she said, I walked up with my backpacks in this arm. And as I approached, before I put my key in the door, I could hear shuffling around the apartment. So before she even enters, she's already on guard. Yeah, she knows like she already in. knows someone's in there. So when she put her key fob in to unlock her door, she noticed the door was already slightly open. So as she's putting her key in the key fob, the door starts to open. And she said that she looked in. She sees a figure towards the back of the apartment. So she pushes the door all the way open with her left arm with her backpacks and draws her service weapon. So she's like ready to fire. Mm-hmm. The door opened. She saw a figure at the end of the apartment. And she said, it looked as if they were coming towards me or like pacing. And I said, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. And the figure kept coming. And she said, I couldn't see their face. And then because they were coming at me in a fast pace, yelling, hey, hey, at me, I shot twice. And then he fell to the ground or that the figure fell to the ground. That's bullshit. Because that would have meant that he was standing up walking. Exactly. And the shot doesn't line up with that. No. Because then she would have shot him probably... In the lower abdomen or torso area. If, yeah, if she shot him at all. Right. Because right. the his his center mass is above her head. Absolutely. You said she's, what, probably five, five foot, three? M- maybe, maybe five foot. Maybe. And she's very short. one, and mm-hmm. if he's up and walking towards you, mm-hmm. you're not going to get him in the upper chest. Lying bitch. Um, and she said, this was my only option. I thought I was at home. And I st- took a step back, and I realized... Oh my God, where am I? This isn't my apartment. This this ottoman isn't mine. The TV light was on and it didn't look like hers. So she said, I attempted to do a sternum rub to see if he'd wake up. And I'm sure you know what that is for yep. those that don't know the sternum. If you rub it, it hurts really bad. So people that are out will wake up. 
And she said he was moaning and he was breathing and he was awake. That's all she did. So then she decided to call 911. So they asked her, you know, why why did you shoot him? She said, I thought he was going to kill me. I was scared. I'm sorry. Now she's still in uniform, right? So attached to her hip is a walkie-talkie. So they're like, why didn't you call for backup? You had radio. Mm-hmm. You were texting Martin all night. Why didn't, you call, why didn't you call on your phone? Why didn't you call for backup on your phone? And then they asked her, well, whenever you pulled your weapon, what was your intention? He said, she said her intention was to kill whoever was there. And that's what I did. So she went in with the intention. Well, I mean, I get being a cop and being trained and like being told this is what you do and you and your autopilot. I mean, we understand that and thinking, okay, I'm a small woman. This is my apartment. There's some big mass in here. I need to do something. Mm -hmm. So I'm not faulting her for what she did. It's how she reacted after the fact. That's the problem for me. Well, my problem is they also teach you and they ask Officer Lee. They ask Officer um, Keenan and they ask or the Sergeant Valentine, all three of them, they ask them when an officer approaches a scene and they are by themselves and they see there is a threat, what is the protocol? And their protocol is to stand down and ask for backup. Okay. Agree. But how many times, how many times does that really happen? Let's think about all of the shootings that have happened in the course of the last 10 years where the cops don't do what they're fucking trained to do. Uh, Uvalde. And well, and they don't. They stood down. They taser. didn't do anything. Well, or some of the other ones where they're, instead of using a taser, they use force and they kill them. So but I'm saying, but, but I'm saying they are taught to stand down and ask for backup, right? That's right. what they're told. If you enter a scene, you don't know how many people there are. You stand down and you ask for help. She could have stepped four steps back. I think there's somebody in my apartment. I need backup. Mm-hmm. And in four minutes, just like this, somebody would have been there. Right. And but, this there's, would have been- but there's a thousand stories. What I'm saying is there are a thousand other stories where cops could have just injured the person or used pepper spray, but instead shot them of is course. what I'm saying. Absolutely. So it's a, but in it's their a, training, they're told. Right. But they until just, there's backup, you stand down. They asked like, Keenan, what would you have done? And he said, if, even if it was my house, I would call for backup. Of course, you're going to say that because you're on trial. That's true. But I'm I mean, just saying, if they're I taught believe that, some of them. right? I feel like it's different as civilians versus the police. Like if I walk up to my house and, and somebody's in it, I don't have 40 people in my back pocket to I call and arrive walkie. on scene. I don't right have this, a right? radio on my hip. But she literally has a direct line for, to safety. But I also feel like they feel like they have a free pass to shoot and they'll be okay. Probably. Even regardless of their training, because we know there are plenty of other cops that have done the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Not in this situation where the situation is, I use brute force and I didn't really need to. Mm-hmm. So it's so a, it's a sickness. She completely ignored her training, mm-hmm. right? And now she shot. used her training in shooting and telling him, let me see your hands and seeing a threat and distinguish it. She did all of that, but she failed to stand down and call for backup. How do you feel? She said, I feel like I, I'm a piece of crap. I hate that I have to live with this the rest of my life, that I took somebody's life and ask you God forgiveness decision. every day. But was there one tear? Ask me. One tear? I didn't see one no, tear. she didn't cry. She not didn't on cry. the stand. No, not one time. Mm-mm. Evidence showed text messages again that she was not doing CPR, not once but twice during the whole time she, she didn't do it. She was asked to leave the first time, and that's when she went to the car, and she was on a phone call with Martin for 16 minutes. 
Mm-hmm. So she's so he finally did answer his phone. So he yeah. lied when he said he didn't have his well, phone with him. He had missed calls, but then by that time she was put out, they told her to go outside and they put her in the first patrol car. She's on the phone with him. And so and did she so come happened, back upstairs? Well, the police had approached her, right? And then they moved her from that car to a different oh, so car. So she never went back upstairs after no. they brought her down. She stayed. No. She just mm-hmm. went to a different car. Yep. Okay. I- ironically, that patrol car doesn't have a recording of that conversation. Well, of course they don't. Like I said, they cover for each other. Um, well, she probably knew to turn whatever recording was on to turn it off. Yeah. Because you're a cop. You know what's what. So part that really got me, I guess, from the medical side of me is that the DA, when they were interrogating her, they asked her, they're like, is this your backpack? And it was her backpack that she had in her hand when she when she went into the apartment and shot him. And they said, is this your backpack? And she said, yes. And they said, is this small one your backpack? She said, yes. They said, were these the same exact backpacks that you were carrying inside? And she said, yes. So he opened it. And do you want to know what was in front of the, the small one? Do you want to know what was the first thing that popped? When you unzipped it, the first thing that came out? Mm-mm. Combat gauze for combat bleeding. It was a first aid kit that is made for gunshots. It is uh, the one to stop the She could have saved bleed. his life. The stop bleed, you just, you literally take it and you pour it on the wound and then you put a thing there and it, it just coagulates everything. It like, um, kind of reminds me of those, um, those Spray beads. Foam. What are those beads? Wax beads? Those or, orzo beads or whatever that you add to water and they like plump Oh up. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's almost like that and it creates a It clot, just absorbs it. Right. And it keeps it from bleeding. She had four or five kits. Underneath that was an entire first aid kit. Not to mention in her big bag were multiple stop bleeds. You had this literally in your hand. Why didn't you use it? She said, it never crossed my mind. No, because you were the only thing on your mind. The fact that it never crossed her mind. It never crossed her. You literally have what it takes to save this man's life and make this from a giant cluster mistake to a small mistake that you can learn from and you won't be in jail and be the a hated woman forever. And you just, it didn't cross You know why? Mind. She felt justified. I'm not agreeing with her, but I promise you in her mind, she felt justified. It's fucked up, but I'm sure she did. There's no other explanation. Well, then in searching in her phone, there was evidence in her phone of racially negative text messages. Oh, that doesn't surprise in me. In one of them, she mocks the death of Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, I remember hearing she about said, that. She um, said, one person asks, when does this end? And she said, when MLK is dead, comma, oh wait. And then um, she was speaking about one of uh, another officer she worked with that was black, and she stated, I'm not racist, but just have a different way of working, and it definitely shows. Do I think she's racist? I don't know. I, I can't say. But I do think that she definitely is selfish and narcissistic for sure. So two days after the murder happened of Botham John, she is still texting Martin two days later about when are they still going to meet up to have sex because they were supposed to have sex that night. That is why she was so damn distracted. He was supposed to meet, was he going to meet her at her apartment? He was supposed to come to her apartment. Now, there's no proof in a text message that says that. He denies it that they ever had a relationship. She doesn't say that they weren't supposed to meet up specifically that night. Of course, he's going to deny it, but she she has nothing to gain to make that shit up. All, in my opinion, all arrows point to it led up to that night. They were texting all day. They were sexting all day. You know, she was, I mean, what, as a woman, what other thing would you be so excited of and be able to, not be be distracted. 
You know, um, like investigation <laughs> channel. Okay. Dark chocolate, my blanket. Maybe a hard fifth or sixth choice. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're not the average women, so maybe we should not be pulled for this question. Most women. I mean, it's in the top five for sure. It is bottom five. (laughs) (laughs) Wanting to go out and get drunk, like like nothing has happened. You know, like you would think if you after a fourteen hour shift, you'd, you'd be thinking like, oh my god. That poor guy, like his mom's having oh, to bury yeah. him. His sisters are going to have to bury him. I did Because that of to my him. mistake. Like, and you know? I had all this shit in but my no, backpack and like, I could have saved so him. So since our night was ruined, when is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know? October 1st of 2019, the jury deliberates for six hours. Uh, of course, they find her mm-hmm. guilty. Yep. So my favorite, if you don't watch any of the trial, if you just watch the punishment phase with yep. his best friend Alexis. Mm-hmm. Um, Stossel, I will tell you, yep. as soon as that ended, I called already. Stephanie yeah, and I was I like, already I just have I to tell you that I love you so much. You're my best friend in the entire world. Listening to how much she loved him. Mm-hmm. And, um, just a little bit about that. If you, if you don't go watch it. So Alexis and, and both of them were best friends. They went to college together at Harding university and she described both of them as a natural leader, um, with students on campus. She said, it didn't matter where he was. He was just a leader. He mm-hmm. would lead people to God. He would lead them in the right direction. He was positive. He helped bring people up. Um, he led Christian groups on college campuses. And she said that she, that they wanted to move to Dallas. So they're like, let's take on Dallas together. And so they moved to Dallas without ever living here. Now, I believe she did say that she was originally from Texas, but I'm not sure where she lived before, but she said we moved here together and we just had each other. Yeah. Prize me in my apartment sometime with Chipotle. And then, um, we would, you know, he'd say, let's just sit on the couch and just watch Scandal for an hour and like not make any noise, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, and one, one thing that was really cool that she said is on Tuesdays, they would go to church together. And she said he would make notes and I'd make notes. And then when we were done, we would go to dinner and we would tell each other what we thought versus what the Bible said versus what we all thought. And we, he just wanted to know, like, what are people thinking and like, how can we do better and how can we make how can we lead more people to Christ and how can we be better people? Mm-hmm. And so um, to hear, not that any life is better than another, but it's when someone that is a degenerate that rapes and kills people and they pass away, you're like, are we really going to miss them? Yeah. Right. But when you have someone like this, that was only 26 and had never found the love of a woman, was never able to be a father, finish college. I mean, so much ahead of him. And then to yeah. be, to impact so many, be loved by so many and be such a great person and just be taken in his own home is just, I mean, you can't blame anyone but her. I mean, ultimately it is her fault. She did it. She Um, was not paying attention. She was too distracted. In the sentencing, they sentenced her to 10 years in prison, but no fine in the victim, the victim impact statement, impact statement. Thank you. Uh, both of John's, brother brant spoke yeah and again yeah if you don't watch anything the, those are the two things that stick out of my mind his best friend talking and his brother Ooh, see i have chills yep. yeah me too yeah i cried his brother was so young he's like if you truly believe that you're sorry and you really mean you're sorry then i can forgive you mm-hmm. and then he asked to give her a hug yep and, and she, the judge was like okay and so he gives her a hug and she starts crying yeah which, I mean, maybe that's what she needed. Uh, but then um, at the end of, after that, um, Judge Tammy Kemp also hugged Amber and gave her, gave her her Bible and told her, you know, to find God and mm-hmm. find peace. I do believe that she's remorseful now 
but she was so it took I'm sure she's only remorseful because of the way the public and the jury reacted to her bullshit. I I mean, she didn't realize that her behavior was unacceptable until somebody told her, hey, that's not what you do. What you should have done is gotten the shit out of your backpack to stop the bleeding and you might have saved his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they repaired the hole in his heart and he still died, he might have still died. But at least you did better. You helped him as much as you could. Because Because in this case, you didn't. For me, if she had gone on sand and they said... We saw that you used your entire first aid kit. And whenever the first responders got there, you were, you didn't stop CPR one time. I would say that was an accident, involuntary manslaughter. Agreed. Five years later, she didn't even care. She didn't do shit to help. But him. she was too she worried about to herself, die. herself, and herself. And whether or not she was still going to get laid. Okay. So, or, I have, or a, have a job. I have a question. Tell me. It's about the, sh- the way where he was shot. So, do they ever prove out and so just because the the analyst is the only person that said he must have been sitting down or coming from a down to up position the medical because her her story doesn't line up her with story where he doesn't was shot. line up no and they they tell her that they said the way the trajectory is shows he was sitting and she said no he was standing so at this point it's just her word against the so medical like examiner. she's a cop she should know that that doesn't that's not gonna that's doesn't line up i don't really think in my opinion, I don't think from the moment she approached the apartment, from that moment she remembers. And I think from the second that she, just she went entered, into like survival mode. entered the apartment to the moment she realized she shot him, I don't think she can give a proper account of what happened. Okay, that's fair. Then Everything maybe she should say, so I don't fast. remember. And she should. And Instead and of saying. That's okay to say, I heard shuffling and I walked in, I saw movement and I shot. But then it looks like you're lying if you say he was standing up and coming towards me and you shot him. But if you were pointing up, it would not have hit him. It would have gone up in the ceiling or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, bullets don't travel that way. Right. She should know better than I. I mean, yeah. I'm not even a cop. Well, and when you when I post the pictures, you'll see, like, when she stands at the the counter. Yeah, she's small. Like, she, her, it comes to, like, her ribs almost. So, if she has her hand, because she shot in front of the dishwasher, that's where the shell casings fell, right? So how where? far into the apartment is the dishwasher? I want to see the layout whenever we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say maybe four or five feet inside the front door. So she did, because she made it sound like she just came into the front door and started shooting, but that's not true. She went into the apartment. Oh, I mean, she didn't go. I mean, she went in just a, a couple of steps. So maybe, I don't really know feet very well. Okay. So like maybe 10 steps? No. Three. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe, maybe So three. the dishwasher's three steps into the fucking apartment? Yeah, I'll show you. I think he was sitting on his couch and she just eating ice cream. And he had bam. his AirPods on and maybe he was listening to something and the TV was going and I think he realized something and, he, and I think he was like, hey, hey, like, what are you doing in my she apartment? She shot him when he was sitting down, didn't she? not hearing her say, let me see your hands, if she even said that. And I think he started to get up, and, and as, that's when she and shot. As him. she felt he was coming at her, she just shot him. I believe that. I, I don't, and then because and then he, he fell, fell right to the floor because he was close to the couch from where mm-hmm. he fell. Yeah, he was so that's what happened. Right in front he of wasn't the couch. walking towards no. her from the back of the apartment. And the shuffling she was hearing was him in his own apartment, living his own life. But then he wasn't at the back of the apartment because no. the couch is right there by the kitchen, right? Yep. So see, that's a lie too. Yep. I, I just I think she's trying. I think she's trying she's to fill trying in to, blanks. She's trying to make it. She's trying to justify her actions by making it sound like he was coming at her, Mm -hmm. which is what they train you to do, Mm -hmm. even though he wasn't. Mm -hmm. I think she came in. She didn't realize that wasn't her apartment. She thought he was an intruder. He started to go up. She shot him. Mm -hmm. So just say that. Yeah. 
Just say that. And, then and say, it doesn't change how I feel about you. No. The only thing that changes how I feel about you is what you, you do after. What, exactly. It doesn't, it's not the mistake that you make. It's how you fix Absolutely. the mistake. That's what I'm saying. And if you had shown a, a 10% more compassion, um, compassion mm-hmm. and more empathy for the person that you shot innocently, then maybe I wouldn't hate you so much. But yeah, no, I can't stand her either. So they did interview the apartments because I guess someone, I don't know if it was Botham John's family or if it was Amber Geiger's family, but there was a civil suit that was filed against the apartments saying that they were too similar. I thought that was his family. It may have been, but they interviewed, I don't know how many apartments there were, but they interviewed a certain amount. They didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear how many. And 92 people reported that they had walked into other apartments thinking it was theirs. Yeah. 71 of those people lived on the third or fourth floor. See, I I don't fault her for that. Like, I feel like as a woman and even as a cop, if you come into a situation like that, your training is going to kick in and you are going to be in fight or flight and you are going to act the way you've been trained or shoot just because you're scared, whatever the case is. So what happened happened. But... I fault her for what happened after that. She yep. didn't ever render aid to him. She didn't give a shit about him. She was only worried about how it impacted her, her job, and hooking up with her man mm-hmm. that belonged to somebody else. So did you know if, um, I'm sure that cop and his wife got divorced, right? I don't know. I'm sure they did. I mean, he he says it never happened. So Now, I will say that I'm sure it's also hard for policemen to turn that off because like, when we walk up to our house, this is ours. No, yeah. I don't you know? think it ever. You're always you know? a cop. And, like, when we go out in public and somebody's attacking me, it's different than when I'm in my own home. I don't feel justified to pull out a gun and shoot you in Walmart. But if you were in my house, I have no qualms shooting you because you're in my home. Exactly. So I'm sure that has to be hard for policemen because they're always on. Yeah, they're they never off. off. No, you're right. So It's I'm, probably really stressful. But then if that's, if that's true, then she would have followed the tactic of stand down and call for backup because I'm at work. But she's also a rookie. But she was able to turn it off because she was like, this is my home. I'm going to protect my home. Right. Um, And I feel like that's a very civilian thing way of thinking. No, I, I don't, I don't, I think it's, I don't, I don't know that I would say civilian or cop. I think anybody, whether you're a cop or not, if you go into your home and you think somebody's in there, you're going to protect it regardless of what your job is. Right. So, I don't think she turned it on or off. I think she just did whatever she thought she had to do. She thought she was in her apartment. She was scared. I bet she was scared. He's a big guy. She could tell he was a big guy. Mm-hmm. Why he's sitting on her couch, she doesn't know. And she shot, and then she was like, fuck. I didn't do anything. I was supposed to stand down, call for backup. Then the training kicks in. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I'm in trouble because I should have done X, Y, Z, and I did the complete opposite of what I was supposed to do. Well, and I, I and think, instead of worrying about whether or not he's alive, I'm trying to save my ass um, or my bacon. And <laughs> see what I did there. Both of them, John had a red mat on his door, and she did not. So they did try and say in in the trial that you know when she approached it, she should have noticed. Yeah, but she was like, distracted. Hey, this, yeah, but I think she I think she was on the phone personally. I think, I think she so was on too. the phone. And I think that she got off the phone right about when she uh, walked, walked up to the up to apartment. The so she was not, she, cause she didn't even know she was on the wrong garage, garage, wrong floor. And now you're at the wrong door. Yeah. And if she had gone to another apartment, I may not believe it, but because it's the one directly above, above hers. hers, it had to be, that's what it was. No. I know? believe that she thought that was her apartment and I believe she was scared. I do believe all that. 
but I don't agree with how she reacted after the fact. She's a yep. selfish bitch, mm-hmm. and she deserves to be in jail, plain and yeah. simple. Yeah. I so, hope she never gets out. I'm sure she will. Is she so supposed to serve all the 10 years? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, she's supposed to serve all 10 years. Okay. She's been in there now for three years, so she should have another seven years. Mar- Martin goes and visits her. <laughs> well, at the trial, he said that it was, it was never more than well, that. Well, of course he's not going to admit it because then he has to be honest. I mean, he lied about the phone and everything else. Why is he going to tell the truth about that? Good story. I'm, I just, I'm glad you did this one. This one's very heated, like you said. I just get oh, I just get so mad when I think about it. I I shouldn't be upset about it. Why shouldn't you? I think everybody should. Well, I shouldn't be upset about it in the sense that I mean, cops are just going to look out for each other, and I yeah, shouldn't be. They are. That's just how it's going to be. But it is very infuriating how blatantly obvious it is in more than one camera footage. And it's like, this is why exactly. more cops think they can get away with it because it's of how exactly they're treated. If I they, mean, it, I think of it this way. Like, think of it as if it were your, one of us. Like you would, even though you know that we probably did something wrong, you're going to give a special treatment because we're your sister. You're still going to be, you're still going to be stern and say, I don't know what you did. Just get in there and shut the fuck up until we figure it out. But you're going to treat me differently than you would some random stranger off the street. Be honest about that. I am in the healthcare field, and some of my family are my patients. I don't do anything for you that I don't do for anybody else. I know, but you're a different person. If you didn't come in when you were supposed to come in, I wouldn't send your prescription anyway. I know, but you can't, co- the, you so, can't compare so that. That's too different. But, but what I'm saying is that there's a protocol that's in place, and I have to treat everybody the same. You do. Family or not. So... Cops see other cops as family, but there's still a protocol. Right. And you should follow it the you same. You should, but not that's, everybody thinks of things the way you do. And that's they don't why I get protocol. irritated. I agree. It's because it. had they treated her like a criminal like she was, maybe other cops would take notice and they wouldn't think that they are immune to punishment. That's a great point. I wish they would. I mean, I this is 100% Amber's fault. She Those were her choices. Mm-hmm. I don't blame the county for making her work overtime. That's part of being a I mean, I don't even really blame the apartment complex. No, I don't I mean, either. I realize it happens a lot. But, like, if that's not your key fob, when you go to put it in, it should turn red and not well, green. And the only other thing I fault them for is one of the people that talked about walking into their apartments, they said that, which is another reason, another reason, I think the other reason why um, both of John's family went after the apartments is because he his key fob activity showed that he locked his door. But multiple people complained that they would lock their door and it wouldn't lock all the way. So if they didn't deadbolt the door, the door sometimes could come open if somebody pushed it. So if his door had been locked, she wouldn't have been able to get in. No, because her key fob wouldn't have have worked. Mm -hmm. I get that. So Mm -hmm. that definitely justifies a civil suit. uh, That's a safety feature. And that's that's something that is mechanical that's on their fault. It's Mm -hmm. not like... It's not like she stole his key or stole no, his fob. No. It was her fob and it goes in and it didn't recognize it, but it wasn't technically locked. That's why so she was able to. If the door hadn't come it. open, then it would have been a total. It w- yeah. We wouldn't be talking about we wouldn't, it. No, it'd be open. She wouldn't be. realize this is in my apartment and then and she would she'd have. She'd gone up to her apartment, she'd got laid and it'd been fine. Yeah. No, I feel like because of her actions, like I do believe in karma and I'm not saying that. Both of them died. Both of them deserve to die because of her bad karma. But like if she's making racial remarks, then the universe is going to set you up and test you and she failed miserably. Absolutely. 
and she failed it. miserably. Can you imagine? Like you're just, just you know, just eating some ice cream. I can't. Like, you know and what do you? You're just sitting. You're and like your you're so cream. unprepared. Like she, he's just in his own world, and like there's this white bitch in his apartment, and then all of a sudden he's shot. So it's, he had to be sitting on the couch. He had to be standing up because there's no other way that well, she would be above for, him. Forensics, they don't lie, and I can't imagine a six foot one. <laughs> man crouching to hide behind the kitchen a area. Bar. It just makes sense that he was sitting. And when she, maybe she thought maybe he was like, maybe if he stayed still, maybe she hadn't shot him, but he didn't know. And then it lines up that she had her right hand free. And that would have been, and if she just yep. pointed, that would have been yep. his left side. Exactly. Cause he's facing the couch or facing the TV. Yep. And so it would have been his left side, which is where he was shot. And she shot twice, but only hit him once. So she missed the first time. Mm-hmm. Or she missed the second time. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. But also imagine how scared he is. Unfortunately, he's a he's a black male and a white police officer entered his apartment. And maybe that's why he was like, what oh, the hell, yeah. man? Yeah, he was like, I hey, mean, hey. He said, yeah. hey, hey. And that's kind of what the guy across the hall heard was two people unexpectedly meeting is, is how he yeah. described it. I, I can rest in peace. I just like he's so... F- he's close, but he's far away. Like, it's not like he was up in her face and the door's right there. She could literally run, run out. It's not like you're trapped in a six story house, you know? Yeah. And there's people all around. You could have just yelled. And you have a fucking radio on your hip. You have a direct line. She is thinking about, she is all consumed with the dick. (laughs) She is tired. She (gasps) wants to get in her apartment, get a shower, get some wine and get some dick. That's all she was worried about. She wasn't worried about anything else other than that. And clearly, that's all that she kept worrying about, even after both of them was taken off in the ambulance and she's Sexy. before she gets arrested, she's just worried about losing her man that wasn't even her man that belonged to somebody else. Yeah. So. Shit. I hope he's not an officer anymore. I hope he had to retire. Hope he got I wonder what's his name again? All right, we Martin, should wrap this up. Martin Rivera. Okay. All right. So that's the story of um, Botham John. Rest so in peace. Rest in peace, yeah. Botham John. And um, I just love his best friend, Alexis. I she's just, the, she's so pretty. And she talks about how much she loved him. And it just, it hit me to my core. Cause I, you know, when you have a best friend, you imagine like them just being taken from you, yeah, you know, like that. And they asked her, like, I guess the text message the night before, she had just told him, like, she was thankful for him. And the next day she said, you know, when I got the message that he had passed away, she's like, I was just so mad at myself that I didn't tell him just how thankful I was to him, you know, and how thankful I was to have him in my life, you know. I hope you get gonorrhea. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that's a wrap. Yeah, that's a wrap. That's a good one. All right. Till next time. Till next time. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.